Hey mama, I have something that I've been dying to tell you. And well, it's finally time. You're never going to guess it though. Okay. Look, do you remember this time last year when we threw the most amazing inner feminine beast in-person event? <laughs> well, yeah, you guessed it. We're going to do it again. Oh my gosh. I am so pumped and I'm excited because it's for you. You have to be there because look, things are changing. You are changing. And the way that you make sales in your business has to change because let's be honest, what got you to where you're at isn't going to get you to where you want to be at seven figures. You have your six figure business. Now you've had successful launches and you've been expanding your team, right? Well, let's talk about it. How did we get here? This level of success was based on doing metrics and doing a step-by-step -step system and having a specific strategy for one of your previous coaches. But here's the thing. We just said it. Times are changing. The industry is changing. You are changing. So what are you going to do about it? How do you continue to pivot? How do you continue to grow? How are you going to continue to elevate? And how are you going to continue to evolve? Introducing IFB Evolution. The in-person event happening October 27th in Orlando, Florida, a one-day immersion with my hands on your business in a room full of IFBs, women who are looking to up-level, to lead the leaders, to own it, to claim it, to have that seven-figure business. It is your turn, mama. It's time to evolve. IFB Evolution happening October 27th in Orlando. I want to see you there. Welcome to the Inner Feminine Beast Podcast, where I'm teaching you how to be the highest version of yourself that has the power, strength, courage, and clarity to claim the life you desire and have it emerge through here in the physical. This podcast will empower you to use the laws of the universe and align with your intuition to create big wins in business by teaching you winning sales strategies and wealth practices, my secrets to healthier relationships, better health, and living like the fierce woman you are. I'm your host, Cynthia Stant, a dedicated student to metaphysics, a self-made millionaire, and a CEO. Let's get it going and unleash your inner feminine beast. Hello, hello, IFB, and welcome to another Inner Phone and Beast interview. So today's guest is somebody I can tell that I'm going to be really good friends with. We have really great chemistry. And but of course, we're already realizing that we have the same connections. We know many of the same people, people I personally love and work with. Um, I just love how small the internet is. <laughs> it's really kind of cool. And when she and I were chatting, because um, of course, you know, I always interview our guests before we interview so that I know that they can provide the best value for you, our listeners. And of course, it's somebody that I actually like, right? <laughs> well, I love this girl. And uh, we're going to have a great high level conversation because I'm just going to let you know, as a woman who trains multiple seven figure sales teams, I can tell you what the hardest part about being an entrepreneur, whatever phase you're at is hiring, managing, and unfortunately, sometimes too, firing. 
And this is if you are just hitting six figures and working with VAs. If you are, you know, I have girlfriends that are doing 25 million this year and they come to me, Cynthia, my sales team, I need help with the hiring, the firing and all the things and all the different positions. So we're going to talk about that difficult conversation today. So the hardest part about being an entrepreneur, I would agree to is hiring firing. And our guest today is an expert at managing as well. We're going to talk a lot about creating company culture and getting measurable results from our employees. So today's guest is the founder of Paradigm Consulting, director of operations HR turned small business consultant for millennial entrepreneurs. She helps female entrepreneurs create intention and purpose through one-on-one -on -one relationships to reduce the time to a profitable business in an accessible, manageable, and fun way. Kira LaForja has firsthand experience with the challenges involved in managing the human side of running a business. After struggling with burnout and being diagnosed with PTSD, Kira realized the importance of delegating tasks and taking care of her mental health. She learned this lesson the hard way, having tried to take on everything herself, which ultimately led to her experiencing significant stress and burnout. In fact, it took a team of six people to effectively replace Kira. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and take on the responsibility she had been managing alone. There's a lot to learn from hiring, onboarding, training, and managing the performance of over 500 employees for a multi-million dollar business. The good news is, Kira learned it all so you don't have to. So Kira founded Paradigm to bridge the gap between corporate HR policies and the modern needs of online entrepreneurs. Paradigm is the go-to people operations consultancy for small business owners who are ready to protect, streamline, and scale their businesses through their most important asset, their people. I love it. I love it. I love it. Kira, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped for this. Of course. And I think that's so funny because I've thought about this uh, in my past too, when I left jobs and positions, the amount of work I used to take on, but literally you found out after you left your job that six people got put in your place to manage the same amount of work that you've done. I can and imagine. they're amazing yeah. people. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. it's not like they were like half-ass, like, you know, whatever. Like I still work for that company one day a week as the COO and moving out of that position and having to fill those roles. It wasn't like I was so amazing. Like I just wasn't doing it as well. I was just barely hanging on and it wasn't winning for me and it wasn't winning for the company. So it was definitely a tough pill to swallow. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you share just a little bit here and in the bio, but you know, the first question I always like to ask everybody when they come on the show is what truly is the story behind it? Like, how did you get to where you're at in your business? So you were working for this company, you were stressed out, but like, obviously there's more to it. What would you like to share with us? So we understand more. Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'll tell you just some of the juicy stuff, because I think we hear a lot of stories out in the world about like how people got to where they are and whatever. But mm -hmm. the reality is like, it's very much like a coal so like putting pressure on it, becoming a diamond situation, because it was not a good situation. Like over the course of 10 years in corporate and small business, not owning my own business and working for someone else, there was so much toxicity thrown at me that I was just trained and told to accept like crying after work was like a normal thing. Like getting screamed at in front of a room full of men that were underperforming was a normal thing that yeah. you just had to suck it up. And I think that after accepting that for a long time, part of my business has been, and in developing paradigm over the past three or four years has been unlearning that and not being okay with that. And I think that without getting too much into it, because like I said, still work for that company, still work for that owner. There was a divorce involved that I was stuck in the middle of, um, things like that there, you can just imagine like it's the toxicity that came 
my way. And I think the realization of like, we all have to work, but it doesn't have to suck was like, it sounds so simple, but it has, it's an unlearning process every day. Like I would gladly accept to be mistreated by people at work that I would not accept in my social life, which is so crazy. So part of my mission is just to tell people like, you don't have to do that. Like you can have a great culture where people want to work, where you love to work for your company and you don't have to accept that we just have to roll over and take bad treatment from people or, you know, be miserable every single day. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to share a little bit of some of my stories as well, because I think for the listeners, you know, most of the women here, they are entrepreneurs, they fully left into their businesses, but they're creating their own company culture. And we're going to sometimes have trauma and scars from our corporate position. And, or if you are a corporate woman listening, who is considering jumping fully in to be an entrepreneur, um, just know it doesn't have to be that way. And it's crazy for me to think about it, but I have been in that trap too. And I am certainly not a victim, but I remember company culture where I came from was, well, are you all in? Are you all in? Well, if you're all in, you will take this. Like if she's not all in off with her head, like literally I'm <laughs> telling you, I've had my you know previous boss, like say to me, Cynthia gun to your head. Where is your next sale? Like I'm wait, metaphorically are we serious here like you know like (laughs) guns and conversations guns to your head um I remember one time I stayed up till two in the morning getting sales in and then at six in the morning my boss called me and said where's the rest where's the rest and I remember just being delirious and tired and my little boy at six in the morning he was four at the time he was wanting to cuddle and I just said mommy's on the phone mommy's on the phone he said mommy you love your boss more than you love me And I remember just like freaking out. I was like, you just need to give me a break. Give me space. And literally, I remember she said, if you made more sales, you would be a better mom. You would have more time with him, make more sales. And I just want to be like, I'm the number one in the company. What are you talking about? Like, you know, things like that. And, um, or we had like a million dollar a month. And that was like the thing we were going after forever. And I wanted to celebrate in sales. We celebrated all big or small, and that's huge. But as soon as I celebrated in front of the team, I got like cut off for it. Now it's onto 2 million, onto 2 million, 1 million is behind us. We need to get moving now, now, now. And I'm like, uh oh, this is trouble because you're going to plant the seeds. You're going to, you know, really nurture them and grow them, but you have to harvest them too. And if you don't, they just die out. Like it's going to fizzle. It's going to fall, burn out. Right. So, I mean, I came from a world just like that. And so my company culture, when I started my own company was completely different from day one. So, you know, before we get into talking about company culture, because it's such a big part of why I've had success in my company. um, I'd like to talk about something that I personally am celebrating. It was just this past weekend. Uh, two weekends now, uh, that we celebrated at Interphone and Beast three years of being a company, three years of starting the podcast, um, and so many things in life and millions and millions of dollars that women have made all over the world. It's pretty cool. But as you know, I was fired from my corporate position. <laughs> I could wonder why. Right? Um, <laughs> probably talking back after a while. Uh, who knows what it was? But um, we were chatting about how I didn't, I didn't teach or coach the things I really wanted to, which is obviously sales and business and branding and all the things that fall with that. But I taught spirituality. I taught metaphysics. And the reason I did that was because I was scared shitless about this non-compete. I did not want to walk on eggshells. I did not want to, you know, be caught. Like I just wanted to be ethical and be smart, but I, I felt like 
if I could have those two years back, what would this company be now? You know, so you and I were chatting about this and you had some things that you wanted to share because I think I've, a lot of women, I've talked about this, who are new entrepreneurs feel like they have to hide a little bit, that they can't fully come out, that there's all this legalities around things. Um, and they and they worry about that when they leave their corporate job and become an entrepreneur. So again, you had some things you wanted to share about this and I'd love to pick your brain about what it is um, for the women who have non-competes. Yeah, I mean, there's when it comes to this is not legal advice, like big disclaimer, like that's right, like right. all HR people ever say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that we can look at this from two different lenses that no matter what perspective you're coming from, whatever you're listening to this about, like whether it's to be more visible or to be encouraged to step out or to like not be afraid, um is a the business side like how as entrepreneurs we can build teams and still safeguard our personal property and our intellectual property and b from an employee side where we're taking skills and talents that we've learned over the years and then wanting to capitalize on them so i'll start with just the business side just know that what we're gonna what i'm gonna talk about a little bit is not saying that as a business owner you can't protect your intellectual property you absolutely can but there is a difference between the value that people bring to your business versus how you are enriching your people through your IP. They hire the absolute best talent, but they're also bringing in a lot of raw skills and all that good stuff. So one of the things that I love to tell women, especially women leaders that are trying to unlearn this toxic behavior, is that if your number one goal is to create expectations, clarity, and culture, then and to the point where you are just always rooting for your people, A, it's going to work in your favor because they're going to stick with you longer, and B, that loyalty will remain after they leave. So whatever you put in place, whether it's a non-compete or a cultural you know, pressure or a NDA or whatever the case may be, if you're always on great terms and healthy terms with the people that you are developing over the years, then you're going to maintain that relationship when they leave and you don't have to be threatened by their success and lifting them up lifts up your business at the same time. So on that note, as an employee, we want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to cultivate really two-sided relationships with our bosses so that when it is time to leave, we can to our visibility and not worry about anything legal that's holding us back. But also non-competes are being absolutely degraded every single month. Even back in April, they were made illegal in another state. Um, again, I don't want to dig into it too much, but a quick Google search view. And that's because these laws are in place to protect the rights of employees to create a living for themselves. So as business owners, we can sometimes get really annoyed about a lot of the laws and stuff we have to follow. But for our employees, a lot of those things are not, they're going to be able to protect them so that they can, they're not held back by having a job one time and then starting their own business. And one thing HR always gets kind of stuck in the friction of the company side or the employee side. And this is a really great example about how, how HR can bridge that for you. So even to HR and saying, hey, I've created some work through this company that I would love to take with me. Is there any way that this can be released or what parts of it can I still use? They will help you to find a way to do that. And also keep in mind that you hold the cards because the law is going to be on the side of the individual and the talent that you bring in. On a company side, just creating that clear and concise and direct culture, having people sign NDAs and non-competes is important. But even more than that, it's that HR factor where you're actually helping them understand what really is important. Instead of throwing a blanket on everything and being like, say nothing ever, and you should not benefit from the time we spent together, pick the things that are actually valuable to the fabric of your business. That makes a business successful anyway, is those really pinpointed, clear differentiators between you and other people. And you can protect those things. 
but let people take what they learn from you and run. Like as long, they're going to stay with you longer. They're going to add more value to you over time. That is all part of building culture, but also know that, you know, it's not really that legal to prevent people from being successful. And as an employee, it's hundred percent possible for you to go out and be visible. Just be really respectful, clear and open communication with your boss. And if they aren't letting you do that, get out of there sooner because that's yeah. not a good environment for you to be in. Yeah. No, I mean, I've seen it. I've witnessed it firsthand um, from just people in the industry and, you know, my previous experiences as an employee, there is definitely paranoia when it comes to being an employee with greatness. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sometimes that's why a lot of us were never meant to be employees because we do have this bigger calling and just this passion for greatness. But the thing is, that's the role of a true CEO. Look, getting to six figures, you might have a task doer, okay? You might have somebody that's really great at checking lists and all that, but that's not going to get you to the seven figure. Seven figures, you have to really own your role and your expertise, which means as the CEO, you are the visionary. You are the shot caller. You are the face of the company. You are the coach. You're the consultant. Now you have to hire people that are better than you at the other positions. That's how you get there. You have to delegate to people who are spectacular. And why would you want to limit that? You know, you want to have this abundance mindset. You want, you don't own your employees. You don't own your contractors. We work better together and everybody has, you know, part of their dream tied into the vision, but we all are unique individuals. You have to support others. Just like, I don't know, just the same way with cross-promoting. I talk about it all the time. Like women compete and that's just ridiculous. That's a, a limited mindset. I have so many women that coach the exact same things I do. And if you don't buy from me, let me show you the one that I would trust you to, to go to instead. You know, and she'll do the same thing back. That's a mature woman. That's the woman who's going to get to multiple seven. If not, it's all just paranoia. It's It, it crumbles down and it's, it's ridiculous. But, you know, I've heard that from several people because I remember so many people came to me, Cynthia, you know, non-competes aren't that serious. Like just teach what you want to, teach what you want to. Like, you're not going to call it. Like, it's not a big deal. And I just remember being like, you know what though? I don't need to do that. Like, I just, that was me. I was like, I want to teach this side. I want to learn the side. And I'm so happy that I did because yes, teaching spirituality was awesome. And I helped so many different type of women, not just entrepreneur women and, you know, badass six and seven figure women, but women all over. There are women who are social workers. There was women who were housewives. There was women who were hairstylists, like, you know, women I wouldn't really, you know, work with now as much, but, um, I was so grateful because people saw what I could do in that business. And that really got people's attention to, okay, I think it's cool. You teach spirituality, but holy shit, look at this business that you grew multiple six figures in six months. Like I want to learn business from you when it came time. And at the same time, it was great because, you know, one of the objections you get as a business consultant or a sales consultant is, yeah, but you sell money and that's tit for tat. Like, you know, that's a tangible thing. I sell something that's intangible. Like I'm a love coach or I teach, you know, energy clearing, things like that. It's not the same. Well, not true. I just did it. <laughs> I can show that. So I think that was like interesting, but that ties into my story too. So yeah, let's get in. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's a great point, especially when it comes to just being, you know, the second side of my expertise and experience and something that we've really bonded on is just being a business owner and being an entrepreneur and just the unique and special journey of it all. Like we all have to, like, no matter if you have something tangible or intangible, you just have to find a, like when it comes to sales, like finding a way to link that, even if you feel that it's intangible to something that people can walk away with and yeah. like, you know, just that feeling, I guess mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. I feel like at the end of the day, when you're a CEO of a business, 
you're a marketer and you're a team leader. That it's at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to. So never stop developing those skills. Even if you do have to manage your own emails or your own calendar for a little bit, you know, yeah. things like that. I think, um, you know what though, I think this is important because um, I, I just want the world to know, you know, when I talk about my previous positions and all, if you do a little bit of research, it's not very hard to find out where I came from. I'm very grateful for the time that I had as employee. I'm grateful for the lessons that I went through. Um, I have fully healed from that. And, you know, I send nothing but love. In fact, the day I got fired, the very next thing I did was send a thank you card because I didn't have a conversation with the actual employer, some random HR girl. (laughs) I just said, you know, I don't know what happened, but I'm grateful for the mentorship that I had. And a lot of those things stuck with me. A lot of those things helped me decide what I wanted to do differently. Um, I, I I'm really grateful for that, but you know, I will say this when I was an employee, I remember thinking as I feel like sometimes employees do like, she can't do this without me. You know, like I like, you know, watch when I leave, what would happen. And, um, you know, I make all the sales, I manage all this, I do all that. And then the thing is when you do become an, um, an entrepreneur from coming an employee, I'll tell you this, it is very different actually running a company versus doing it on theory. Okay. Give you credit. Okay. Give them credit. I was like, Oh, so I'm not just making sales, which I'm great at, but, and you know, that's how we got to where we were quickly, but Oh wait, now it's onboarding. Now it's customer experience. Now it's marketing, marketing. Now it's, um, you know, just the managing, the delegating, like all the things it's the investment after the investment, after the investment, after the investment, you were in sales. You're just making money all the time. Now it's like, you see it going and it, it's, I give it credit. And I'm so grateful that I got to watch firsthand to the CEO so quickly or closely, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so talented at this, but it doesn't matter if you're really talented or you're a great coach, you need to become a savvy businesswoman when you become that entrepreneur. So yeah, we're building teams, you know, as we're getting to seven figures, um, it's really important that we create that company culture. So I'd love to ask you, Kira, how do you build one? What does that look like? And why is this so important? Yeah. So I love this question because I honestly, like I have a podcast, I have a blog, I have a business. It's all I talk about every day, all day, never gets old because it evolves with us. Right. Like I think something that we, you kind of just touched on was I look back when I was in sales, it's been 10 years now. And like, I was so miserable. Like I still think about how miserable I was. And I was also the worst employee, regardless of the conversions that I was making or the numbers I was hitting. I was the most annoying employee at that company. That's how I know I should be an entrepreneur. So like, if you're in that position listening, just know like there, you're never perfect. We learn from these mistakes, but all of that contributes to our company culture. So the experiences that I had as a kid coming out of college and ending up in a sales role and not really knowing how I was going to get like what just happened to me. Oh, I'm really good at this. That's crazy. Awesome. Money. Exciting. And back then it was like, you have been promoted to $55,000 a year in Southern California. And I was like, I'm the richest person in my entire friend group, you know, like stuff like that. So it's funny, but all of that really does inform what your company culture looks like, whether it's an experience like yours or mine, that was maybe not always great, but we took a lot from it or whether we've been an entrepreneur for a long time or sold another business or are thinking about going into that realm, the number one key to figuring out what you want your company culture to be is you. So deciding what you want to do, how you want to lead and allowing yourself to make those mistakes along the way is a hundred percent fine. But at your core, if you really take, and we talked a little bit about spirituality and things like that, but if you really take a solid and honest look at who you are as a leader and then you're able to build your company culture on top of that 
then you're always going to love working for your company. You're always going to bring in the right people. You're always going to make sure that you're creating a path for success for individuals and as a team. But if you're trying to fit into a box or be something you're not, or download random HR documents and say, this is my company culture now, and you don't put any thought into it, it's not it's not your fault if you've done that because that's the information that's out there. I mean, that's why I have a business. People are always like, I can't believe you exist. Like who knew? Cause there's not a lot of HR people that are like, I should be an entrepreneur, but I came from operations. So I think differently, but regardless of all of that, this is not normal, regular information. This HR building a company culture, thinking about your people, people operations, putting people first is not something that you should know how to do. So if that's the case, there are things that you've accepted and part of your company culture that this is how we do business. These are things that I've experienced. This is what I was told would be successful. We will help you challenge those things and make it even more unique and special to you. And if your company culture is built off of what you've seen somebody else do, that could be really great to get started, but it will deteriorate over time and become more and more genuine to who you are. So you might as well just embrace it right off the bat. Um, and once you create that culture, that's the point is to keep everybody on the same path with less friction to invite people into your circle that are going to help move you forward. That feels aligned and it feels flowy and it feels easy. If you don't have a solid company culture, meaning what it feels like to work for you, what your expectations are, how you're showing up as a leader, what you're expecting from your other leaders, then there's going to be a lot more friction points in something that's already really difficult, which is the people. Not everybody's going to be perfect all the time, but if you're all moving in the same direction, it's a lot easier than if somebody's trying to veer off in another direction, which is absolutely what I was doing as an, as an employee. I was just trying to cause problems every step of the way. I was like, you need me here. I'm going to cause this issue because you're annoying and I should be your boss, you know, stuff like that. And of course I was young and immature at the time, but we want to make sure that we're inviting those people in and company culture affects everything from how you design your own role to the first person that you bring in to the policies that you're providing, to how you're paying people. And then it really seeps right into that marketing because your marketing is a reflection of your company culture too. So yes. I, know we, I'm, I know that you're kind of in the middle of all of this. So I would love to hear how that's developed for you over time, because I think it would be a great example of a strong brand and how that is also obvious in your company. And that would be like such a good example. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I had so much to say, but I will start there. How about that? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, but in the three years that we've had, I had four employees. Now I'm a little different. I know a lot of people start with like VAs and a lot of people, you know, hire a bunch of contractors and all of that. But I really love having like a ride or die. I love having a right hand. I love having somebody who is in as much as me. I love having somebody that knows every one of my clients' names, who knows all of my podcast guests, who knows all of, you know, just like my people when we go to events. Um, when I get my makeup done, she gets her makeup done. When I like, I take care of her. I know her vision. I know I tie her vision into my vision. Like that was so wonderful for so long. But like, the thing is what got you to six figures doesn't get you to seven. And after, you know, hitting seven, like I'm just blown away. Cause people would come to me all the time. How do you do this with just one person? How do you do with one person? Now I know how to manage. I know how to create those, like you said, those expectations, that clarity and that culture, because I always paid attention being, you know, an executive for the last, God, can you believe this over a decade? Um, I always paid attention to what I liked and what I did and what I want to do differently. And when it came time for me to set the rules, I really like knew how to do that. So I had happy employees who could perform and to, um, understood and appreciate a company culture, the one that we created. Um, but this is the thing. When you get to a certain point, as we were saying, 
there's only so much that one person can handle until it starts like not being as the level it needs to be the standard. And at the same time, it's no more just like delegating to do's. You really need somebody who's forward thinking. I want a team of leaders. I want people in every division to be better at it than I am. And that's what a real CEO does. They lead leaders. So in every single department, there's one thing that needs to get done. If we're talking about marketing, that person, they need to be responsible. That, that branch needs to be responsible for generating leads. I don't care if a million stories go out emails look on point. I don't care if uh, the podcast is just, you know, bumping. Like it doesn't matter if we're not generating qualified leads. That's all I care about. And then in sales, obviously, like you can do a million posts uh, and, and DMs and you can have sales calls and you can go live and you can do all the freaking things. But I do not care if you're like, I sent a thousand DMs today. My question for you is where's the sale? Because if you're not making sales, we're not changing lives. And we need to do that. Customer service, retention, that's all I care about. So now as a CEO, my job is to lead the leaders and to make sure that in every division, that one thing is getting done. That's all I care about. And so it's it's important because it at this point, you were the boss and you kind of didn't talk down, but like you were the like legit leader. Now everybody around you is a team of leaders and you have to look at them, not like you're on this pedestal. You are just in your session. Like yes, you're the CEO, top of the organization chart, but you are wanting to be equal with these people like and you have to look at it differently so yeah i mean um the the infrastructure of my company has changed dramatically as far as we had to you know let go of certain people and it's been heartbreaking but it's for the the benefit of the company and more than anything that means to better support our clients like that's it you know so yeah it's it's not easy no one said it was okay no one said it was easy being in uh the ceo position so um i i Thank you for asking that, by the way. It's, it's nice to share with everybody. Um, I will say this though, because I know some of the listeners listening to today's episode is like, girl, I'm just getting started. I'm I got my first VA. I'm like, I'm happy about that. Like, I don't know, company culture, nope, to-do lister, I'm good with that. Or some of you are like, yeah, I mean, like we're almost at seven, but I only have two employees, three employees, like one employee. Do I even need this company? Yes. One of the biggest secrets that I have that everybody asked me, like, how did you get to some figure so quickly? It's because I started on day one as a multiple seven figure woman. Like I created my 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 company uh, culture. I created my organizational chart. I created had the contracts, the systems, the big pictures, the ascension plan, like everything in day one. Did it change drastically and dramatically? It was happening. Yes, but I had the energy to hold it because I could see it. And here's the thing: it, you're it's you're gonna fuck up. You're gonna make mistakes. It's not gonna be right. But give yourself permission. Like, just remember, we're not like Fortune 500 companies on day one. And we have to let our team know that. <laughs> like, It's like, not everything is perfect. We're making this shit up as we go, but we have a plan. We have a plan, right? So um, yeah, let's talk about this. And this is something that I had to learn even as a coach, but definitely as um, a boss. I think it was pretty easy when I started my company because I managed for so long. But a lot of women are too friendly with their team. And or they're too bitchy with their team. How do you be a boss who isn't a bitch? <laughs> you know what I mean by that? Uh, just somebody who like, you know, just isn't endearing, isn't compassionate, like isn't understanding um, or just is demanding, over demanding. Yeah, this is a great question and always at top of mind because it's my life. You know, I lead two companies, technically three companies and at varying sizes and they're the one thing about the cultures that I create is that I've already been through hell. So, and I'm going to turn this around in just a second, but 
I don't want to work for a place like that. So the culture that stands through the changing org charts and the changing offers and the price changes and the systems and the operations and the CRMs and the blah, 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 is the culture of the importance of showing up, having a good time, building relationships with each other. And that is a hard as fuck culture to create because of what you just asked. Being a person that genuinely deeply cares about their people and also puts me in a position to have to have really difficult conversations with people that I'm really friendly with and know a lot about is not something that I think is right for everyone. So I think it's okay to be a boss that really throws yourself behind whatever your culture might look like. Mine is very much the extreme. Whatever company I work for, there is a really specific and kind of guideline set of boundaries of how deep we can go because the relationships are really what makes me show up to work every day as a leader. And Mm -hmm. identifying that, there was a few things that you said while you were talking about your culture that I think if you were to rewind and listen to it again, it is your culture. And it's not, you say it, like the way that you throw it out there, Cynthia, is like, I want it to be this way and I want people to show up and we are all about changing lives. Like those the way that you are so entrenched in that mindset is the is the literal baseline of your company culture. And it's also completely different from what mine might be, but that doesn't mean that one business is more valuable than the other, but it's that like core belief system that I would just recommend people really tuning into because that's, what's going to make it effortless for you to manage and lead your team, because you're always coming back to this thing that feels like common sense to you and your listeners they're not like, they might be like, my thing that's driving me is totally different. Like, I don't want to really think about work that much outside of 10 to two. I want to raise my family. I'm here to make money so that I don't have to work every hour of the day. Whereas that, and that could be a totally driving cultural perspective. And I think that it can be really difficult for people to understand that what they're saying when they're not thinking about it is the thing that is going to drive your culture forward. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to not being a bitch, I mean, everybody, I I could say one thing to one person and another thing, the exact same thing to another person. And one person could be totally lit up and motivated and the other person can cry themselves that night. So we can't really get wrapped as leaders. We can't really get wrapped up in the perspectives of other people, but what we can do is create safe and comfortable environments for people to show up in their best way And then also learn how to have difficult conversations and provide feedback that is beneficial to the company through the cultural lens of we're here to make money. We are here to run a business. I really care about you. And this is going to be really harsh, but this needs to improve now. And if it can't, then when you do have to let those people go, you don't actually have to feel bad about it. Because every, I will say that as I've gotten better at management over the years and now teach a course about it. The biggest change that I've seen is that it's not so much I need to contact HR so I can figure out how to fire this person. It's those firing conversations are expected. The employee knows it's coming. They have been a part of the journey to try to make those changes are going to be better off without this job. And they're on that same page too. So we can lend ourselves as a, and it doesn't always work out that way. Definitely depends who you're dealing with. But at the end of the day, if you do have to let someone go, it is so much easier because it's better for them as well. It's always going to be better for them as well. Like we, because either the company can't provide them what they need and it's not going to be a good situation for them, or they're just not living up to their own potential. And that's not what we're about here. So I think that's a big game changer in how to think of yourself as a bitch versus 
everybody's going to think of you however they're going to think about it. It's really hard to get over it. I'm an extremely sensitive person. I might have a really tough conversation with someone and then cry myself to sleep that night. When it's happened, my husband will be like, what is she talking about? She's so sensitive. She hates hurting people's feelings, whatever. But if we know our purpose as leaders is not to make everybody feel good all the time, it's to make everybody do good and give them the best opportunity to show up for themselves, then it makes it a lot easier to have those conversations where we don't always get to make people yeah, feel good. Totally. I um you know what's funny, but like I feel that we put so much labeling on this, like, am I being a boss or am I being a friend or I don't want to be a bitch and da, da, da. it's just like just be you, like be you be you and be that well, because here's the thing, me as a wife, me as a friend, me as a boss, me as a daughter, me as a, a mom, I'm, I'm the same. I'm literally the same, but it is in all those areas, how you do one thing, how you do everything in every area of my life. I have proper standards. I have proper boundaries. I have proper conversations and I don't, you know, I don't look at it like confrontation. I call it courageous conversations. They need to be had in every area of your life. So all of a sudden when we become the boss, don't be like Ricky Bobby and be like, what do I do with my hands? Right? Like, I don't know. All of a sudden I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Like, no, do you be you. And, um, I mean, I'll be honest, like if I'm your friend, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear too. And I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of friends. <laughs> There's probably a reason, but the ones I do are ride or die. They are women doing the biggest things. They are women who can hold it. They can keep up with me. And the ones that I, you know, used to walk on eggshells with the ones I'd be really sensitive around the ones I was like, I'm not sure what to say. You don't want to hurt their feelings. Like they're not here anymore because it's an illusion. Like that was me not being real, but of course they're gone. When yeah. you are yourself authentically all the time, you'll know what to say and how to say it. Whether, you know, by being a good boss, you're being a good friend by being a good friend, you're being a good boss. Like that's just yeah. how it is. That's how I look at it. But, um, yeah, so like this is, but I understand that's how I look at it. That's not necessarily how everybody looks at it. And, um, one thing that I've done, and this is sounds super cheesy, but it like really works is simply friend hat, boss hat. And I, I put the hat on. I literally like do the fake hat. I do this with my clients because so many of my executive clients, these are multiple some bigger women that are boss. Like they're, I'm not their mentor, their guru, like I'm their consultant and they have successful businesses. Many of which many of my clients are way more successful than me. Like I don't look at them like I'm above them. Like they are equals, if not like more, whatever, you know, but I tell them, Hey, this is something I need to really share with you. And I, you know, as a proud business owner, this could hurt somebody's ego, but you hired me and you have to trust when I is coming to me and through me, you're the CEO of your company. You can do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to speak my piece because otherwise I'd be doing disservice. Yeah. So, Hey, real quick consultant hat on, <laughs> I want to go out for drinks later. Here's my hat. You know, my friend, yeah. hat on. it works. <laughs> yeah, um, so I've always that. done that, but here's the thing. Like the other thing that I've done, that's really important. Even when I only had one employee is something went wrong where it wasn't, you know, um, this rarely happened, but like if something wasn't, wasn't ethical or there was some kind of fudging or there was some kind of like, you didn't come up to the clear expectations and standards. You had one mistake and it happened again. Everybody can make mistakes. In fact, I give you permission all the time to make mistakes. It means you're getting out of your comfort zone and, and doing things differently. But if it happens again, I've had write-ups in my company. Cynthia, you're like a one person employee. Yeah. Because I'm a real company. Right. And we documentate all of that. And we, it's, I've always handled that way. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what I've done with my employees um, for company culture. And then I'd love for you to give some tips and tricks for uh, women who are six, multiple six, seven, you know, obviously these aren't fortune 500 companies listening to the show. So how we can help them to different ways to have great company culture. Um, one of the things I did coming from my spiritual background 
is I have my clients every single month make a monthly vision board, not a yearly vision board, because I don't believe in balancing. I believe in the power of focus and just getting like three things that you want because money loves a purpose and, and, you know, money is just a means to, so why are we doing all this and celebrating and really achieving those things every month? Um, I literally pay my employees to sit on that call with my clients when I have them do that for their accountability power hour and make their vision boards too. They show the vision boards to the team. And every month, this is what we're going to achieve. Like, you know, two weeks in Japan, two weeks in Spain for my employees, they're getting, um, you know, somewhere into tattoos, like where they're expensive, like literally like starting with nothing to full sleeves every month, like after getting what they want to be able to have that. Um, it's been really cool. So it's like, it's tying their dream and their vision into the company's dream. So it's not like, hey, we're just all doing the things and making money. It's like, no, we are changing lives. And when we give like that, we're allowed to receive. And when we receive, what are we going to do with it? Like, how are we going to better our lives? What is our plan to keep moving and growing? Uh, what's really cool too is I'll like look at those boards and I'll secretly like buy a lot of the things on them. And when they're just doing awesome, I'll be like, hey, out of the blue, here's that necklace I saw on your board, right? Like here's that bracelet that matches it the next time, things like that. I love that. Um, the other thing too, that I feel like um, has done really well is party. Like I love, <laughs> I love like, you know, that's part of my personality. I love having a good time. And I just think it's important to celebrate. Every time we do something awesome, we celebrate. Um, you know, like I went to an event recently and I don't think I'm pointing fingers or anything. I just thought it was interesting that when the event was kind of in the after hours that I noticed a lot of like the speakers and things like weren't around, like, I love being with the people. Like, I love like hanging out with everybody. And I just think it's so important for together to spend time together. Um, you know, even when I only had one employee, we had a company Christmas party, like, fuck yeah, we did. Like we, it's the holidays and we have a lot to celebrate. You know, we would go like a big grand dinner. We would go out, get anything you want, invite your spouse, your partner, like, like, and we would, we would do that. And I said, you know why? Because we're a real company. And eventually when there's a huge team, we're going to fly everybody in. We're going to have this Christmas card, like from day one, you know, it's like, I just feel it's so important to not just be like, okay, everybody, you go celebrate Christmas. Here's your Christmas. No, let's like, let's do it together. Let's be together. And yeah, when I'm there, I'm going to have a cocktail or two. I'm going to be with my husband. I'm going to bring my family. It's like, it's not like we're separated. We are a team. We are a family. And yes, I'm the boss, but I'm only as good as you are with me. You know, like that's how I look at it. So I love being with people. I love being with my clients the same way. A lot of people are like, no, nope, they're my clients. I won't be like, no, my clients are my friends. A lot of them are, but it's understanding how to have proper standards, boundaries, expectations, and clarity, like you said. So yeah. So what is some of the best things that, um, you recommend for creating an amazing company culture. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think the examples that you gave, like how you talked about, I might go out and buy this gift for someone, or I might go out and, you know, really look at their vision board and see what they're thinking. Like that is actually such a killer management strategy, especially because regardless if you are on a team of, or in a, a Fortune 500 company with hundreds of employees or thousands of employees, or you're on a team of 10 other people, which most companies are structured that way. There's mm -hmm. little microcosms within, and it's less about the necklace. And it's more about the effort of understanding and knowing your people, because that knowledge, even those little things are going to help you to show up and adapt yourself in the same way we have adapt in sales conversations to what our team members need so that we can be the best manager they need. 
The thing I always tell every new manager or a manager of a small company that's just getting started with team is management is not about you. It's about who you're managing. So Mm -hmm. it's whatever type of manager you are actually should be a response to the person that you're trying to get the best result from. So when we talk about training, it's not about the trainer. It's not about what you want to say or what your deck looks like or what your speech looks like or whatever. It's about the people that you're training. And that's also how we create inclusive company cultures, because not everybody is going to be able to learn and grow and develop the same way, but they can still get to the end of the road, regardless of what it looks like for that journey to get there. So I feel like that is just such a great tip that people should really embrace is something so small as we, you know, I want my employees to center their experiences. And then I'm going to take that and I'm going to make that a powerful management moment because I'm getting to know them on a really deep and interesting level that they are going to now see the investment that I have in them. And it doesn't even have to cost money. A lot of employee engagement strategies don't have to cost anything. It can be as simple as, oh my gosh, like I really appreciate that project was a nightmare. Thank you for finishing it on time. Please take the rest of the afternoon off. Like don't look at Slack. If the clients reach out, I got you. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't cost you any money. Like just Mm -hmm. let them go and like take a moment, you know, those little things that you can add in are really great ways to reward your employees in small ways and also to encourage similar behavior over time. Um, And I think it's, we're human. So it's okay to say, I'd love to see more of, it's not like you're training a dog or something. You could say, I love to see more of this behavior. I loved it that you hit this deadline. I love that you went over and above. And I love that as an employee, you use discretionary effort to not just check this thing off a list the way a contractor would, but to be an employee and become an idea builder and not just a task doer. Pointing those things out to your employees is going to be important, especially if we're hiring people that were previously contractors. Yeah. Um, the second thing that you talk about that celebration, absolutely love it. Finding ways to create small celebrations throughout the week. It breaks things up. It also is a reflection of your culture. Mm-hmm. So regardless for you, it's like we have these big events or you know, there are moments of success that we're celebrating. If you're a business owner that doesn't value that as much, your culture shouldn't value that either. However, whether you're with a big company or a small company, we still have to follow the same laws, rules, and regulations when it comes to our team. So Amazon has the same rules as we do when it comes to deciding if they're a contractor or an employee. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to treat them in the exact same way. So if part of your culture is, you know, spending time together, you're going to attract people that want to be part of that culture. So you're not going to get those, you know, how sometimes we have stories or experiences of people on our team, especially in bigger businesses, where it's like, it just didn't really hit culturally. Like they didn't show up to the team events. They didn't care about the holiday parties. They didn't, you know, do the vision board workshops. They seemed like they were annoyed some of the times with small businesses. We don't have to have those people there. Mm -hmm. Like that's the beauty of it as our culture has to be and will be so much deeper and stronger because we're going to attract and repel the people that really fit in. So when it comes to those tangible tips, it's number one, know who you are. Like you said, you have such a strong sense of self. You know who you are. you give yourself permission to evolve, take some time to invest in who you are as a leader, to understand how to communicate as a leader, but also to understand how to communicate your vision and that making sure that you're understanding that and you're not involved, like really influenced by other people, like push the envelope, create different types of company cultures based on who you are. That's, what's going to make your company last. So don't, don't follow someone else's thing. Like find your own way to reward them based on what feels easy and comfortable to you, but then do it a lot. Like if you find that something you're doing is, I don't know, like 
for example, our team meetings are basically pointless. They're literally just time for the team to come together, blow off steam, talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, and essentially like talk about what's going on with the clients. But generally speaking, it's just, we're all on the same mission. We all have the same vision. We're working together towards this big common goal. But what am I going to do? Talk to them about that for an hour every week? Like, no, part of it is really creating those relationships with each other so they can screw up, make mistakes and ask each other for help and have a good time while they're at work. That's a huge part of our culture. Yeah. But you might be business that's like, we got 10 minute meetings because everybody here doesn't want to be on a Zoom call. And that is just as valuable as the, the culture. God, I remember those fucking 8 a.m. Zoom calls. Oh, I hate it <laughs> so much. It's like, so who's not just on your sales board? Oh my God, I hate 8 a.m. God, I hated it. Sales um, is tough too. <laughs> it's like, well, you, you know what though? I will say this as a salesperson, this is how I knew to do the vision board and like why it was so important, at least for me and like the, the women who are IFBs. Um, I remember being a salesperson and like, they would be like, everybody alert, special competition today. Whoever sells the most absolute vodka today is going to win a Yeti cooler. And I'd be like, oh my God, I want that Yeti cooler. <laughs> right. And I would go and I would get it. And yes, I would sell literally t- like thousands of dollars of absolute vodka to get this $300 Yeti cooler. But the thing is, if you just gave me $300, I would never have bought myself that Yeti cooler. Like it would just, it would have gone to like groceries and things like getting like something that I wouldn't get myself always made me like, this is awesome. Like just behind the scene tickets all the time or courtside, you know, basketball games. Like, you know how much these are? Like they're a lot. If I had this money, I probably would have put it to something. Like, I like think it's cool to to give things that like, you know, they wouldn't get for themselves. Like, it's always like, this is the perk. Perks are just as important. Like people are like, no, I want the money. I made good money. I was a top salesperson, but like those things I wouldn't buy myself, the perks, like it's part of like, oh man, this job is awesome. So getting the makeup done when I get my makeup done, like, you know, um, like going on the trips when I have to go to the speaking events, um, all that stuff I thought was so important. Um, one more thing that I'm going to add here that I think is really helpful for people, because this is like the trauma that I went through and how I changed it. <laughs> um, my, I remember again, up till two in the morning, I had to work with like almost all the time. I feel like, uh, my company culture is 5 PM, like weekends. You do not have to respond to me. I'm a busy CEO. I get downloads. I'm going to message you, but you don't have to write back. I remember my old company. We had this, um, this text message. Oh my God. The nightmares of this text message thread. It was called the dream team thread. And <laughs> It started with, I was the first full-time employee. So then it started with like three people and then four people. And then in one year, because the amount of sales we were making, we get, we hired 85 people in a text message. Ding, 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 ding. I would literally, I, as a manager of this company, put it on mute for like six months and no one even noticed I wasn't in it. Like It was crazy because I couldn't like stand it. Yeah. Company culture for us is if you want to be my friend, we want to talk something outside of work, you text me. If it's work, it goes in WhatsApp. And like, WhatsApp, you don't have to like answer like this outside of business hours at all. So yeah, I think I that's, that. yeah. Like- that's a game changer. We, I did something really similar and it made a huge difference for me too. Cause as a manager, you're always getting blown up. And I was like, I can't have my, I don't want to text. So like my team knows, like we're on Slack. And if there's, if it's something emergency, then they can text me. But all I want to text about are fun things or Bravo or, you know, sharing links or, you know, whatever. Um, another thing, this is really small, but again, we talk about small businesses and big businesses, but if you just gave me this idea is don't follow your employees on Instagram or social media, unless they follow you first, like don't infiltrate their space unless they invite you to do that. Yeah, like, I feel part. like that's such a small thing because 
we want them to have some freedom, but we're all digital. So like if they reach out and they follow you, if they have a public account or something with a hundred thousand followers, it's totally different. But most of our people are going to be like sharing personal things and maybe they want it to be sort of separate. And that's how they create separation. If they follow you fair game, like create that relationship, but don't be the one that's like in their friend requests like for six months and they're like, oh, I had to pretend I didn't see that. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. And as and being an employee, be smart about those too. Yeah, there's so many times <laughs> where I was like, you know, I did get the invite, so I joined. And like I remember I had one employee, and this is like a long time ago. Just I'd be like, hey, are you pumped for today? Yeah. Like, are you are you ready to change some lives? Like, that's what we're about to do. Oh my God, you know, I be a girl, like, uh-huh. And I'm just like, what and then I see that she starts podcast hi everybody we're gonna talk about this today and I'm like what where is that energy here you know but it's like this is where you get paid like you're not making money on like it's yeah. how you do one thing's how you do everything and I remember being like you know hiring marketing people and um, they're supposed to help me jazz up you know what goes out in our content and, and strategies and things like that and like it's just like boring ass posts and stuff and then you go look at their social and they have all these cool edited highlight like you know blingy stuff and I'm like all right <laughs> that wasn't very smart of them to reach out and do that right it's just funny yeah oh geez this is fun what we get to do all the time <laughs> but you know what you constantly fuck up. You constantly make mistakes. Our job is just keep moving, building momentum. And that's why it's so important to know your why. For me, I can cry on a dime when I think about my why being that, you know, sales saved my life. And I want every woman to really embrace sales and rewrite the script for sales and to be the leader who runs a company who makes a lot of sales because sales, I'll say it again and again, means that you're getting clients. And if you are getting clients, you are changing lives. It does not matter how fucking great you are as a coach if you don't understand how to get clients to coach. And then just know maybe where you got to now, you've been able to do it alone or just one or two people, but that's going to change if you're going to get to that next level. So knowing Kira and understanding this conversation, watch, come back later, a year later, listen to this episode again. It's going to sound different to you. But Kira, you know, for those who would love to dive in deeper to learn about working with you or to learn more about you know, what you offer, where would you like to send them? And of course, we'll put the links in the uh, the description of today's show. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think if you're, whether you're a leader or an entrepreneur are just follow on Instagram, you know, hop into our newsletter. We send out tangible tips and tricks all the time. I have a podcast as well. So you can actually skim through, find a topic that you're looking for. I think one that your audience would love is we have one about difficult conversations and like the framework of having those either as an employee up to your manager and managing your manager or even down through your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be a really great place to send yeah. people, but also just say hi on Instagram. Like that's generally where I would respond and let me know what you thought of the episode and what you took away from it and whatever you're learning from Cynthia with sales and present like presenting yourself and pushing forward in that visibility. You have to do that on behalf of your company to your company too. So you have to sell your mission, sell your vision, sell your values and motivate your team the same way that you are trying to motivate your clients. So learn that skill because that will serve you well as a leader too. It's going to be the best way to translate things over. So I really loved what you just said about all of that good stuff because it's replicable. If you can't sell, then you're not going to be able to get people on board with your mission, even if you are paying them. So it's a great way to think about it. And if you want success in front of the house, it has to be strong in the back of the house. That's for sure. So what a great conversation. Thank you so much for, you know, just being real and then talking about these high level conversations and for being you. Um, I really appreciated having you as a guest today. 
Yeah, this was so much fun. I wish we could talk for five more hours. (laughs) We probably will. (laughs) Until next time. And for our listeners, acknowledge it, embrace it, see it through. Thank you for listening to the Inner Feminine Beast podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. I check my reviews every week and each one truly does mean so much. So thank you. And also, if you want to keep the conversation going, be sure to visit my website, innerfeminineBeast.com to join our communities and so you can also connect with women who are on the same journey. I can't wait to see you on the inside.